Welcome, everyone, to a brand new episode of Ian Hates Music. Now, this week's episode is something different. <laughs> I think that's the best way to put it. It's something, it's something different, and I need to explain some things before I get to the conversation, because I'm not going to call it an interview. And I probably shouldn't call it an interview anyways, because I don't really do any of this for sound bites. Like, I'm not taking clips and... And putting them up for people to be like, oh, they're talking, you know, so-and-so is talking about their new album or so-and-so said this. Like, that's not the point of the show, nor is it the point of talking to the bands that I talk to on a regular basis. It's to share their music and their stories with everyone who likes this type of music. I mean, it'd be great if people that didn't like this type of music also listen to the show to see what's going on. But I'm, I'm going to assume right now that it's people that actually listen and like this type of music. So this week on the show, you've probably seen the promotion and everything that's been around on, on the Ian Hates Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. My guest this week is Sean from Alisana, as well as Revival Recordings. I go into this a lot. During the interview, we talk about the band, we talk about, you know, how we started, and a lot of this stuff people probably already know. But I guess the reason why I'm giving this little disclaimer is because I do this show for everyone, but I also do it for myself. This is something that I'm very passionate about, stuff that I love. That's why I do this. So for me to have Sean on this episode is something really special. And I'm not I'm not being melodramatic. I'm not I'm not doing anything like that. I mean, I think if you have listened to the show before, you know the passion I have for the music that I love and you've heard it, I would hope, throughout these many many episodes, even back when there was a co-host. I've talked about Alisana and I believe even though I've been listening to them for 10 to 12 years, really since the beginning, I have been saying the name wrong for forever. And of course, because I really don't care and I'm honest with everybody, I brought this up during the conversation with Sean as well. Uh, and apparently he gets it a lot. Uh, so it's not a new thing. It's not a Ian only does this thing. Uh, but <laughs> I thought it was I thought it was pretty humorous, at least for me. Really what's great is Sean was nice enough to come on the show even though I put a ton of work into this and I think people enjoy it and I, you know, I see the amount of people that are listening and, and waiting for episodes by the week, it's a small show. I mean, I started this from the beginning. Uh, I started the whole network and the brand because this is what I love to do. And it's awesome Sean agreed to come on the show. And really, I'm just what I'm saying is I hope you learn something from the conversation. I hope there's something new in there. But I put this together with questions that I have. I put this together kind of the way that I wanted it to go. Because even though I have seen Alisana so many times, it's got to be over 10, somewhere, somewhere around there. I've never actually gone up and talked to them. There was a time in my life that I did more of that. Um, I don't tend to do it that much anymore. But to have Sean on the show and talk to him, and I could have talked for hours I am a Alisana super fan. I could have gone through, as I'm hoping a lot of you are. I'm hoping a lot of the people that are listening, whether this is your first time or multiple times that you've listened to the podcast, I hope that you're huge fans as well. And I hope that that's why you're also tuning in right now to, to listen to it. I did this interview for me and for you. But just so you know, like it was 
a big deal for me to talk to Sean. And like I said before, I'm not being melodramatic. I'm letting you know, if you listen to the other past interviews that I've had, I love the music and respect the music of everyone who's been on the show because I don't see the point of having someone on the show who I don't like. To me, there's really no point because I can't be fake. I'm always going to be honest. I'm always going to say my opinion of something. So it would be very hard for me because this isn't a job. I'm not forced to have anyone on this show. I'm not forced to talk about anything that I don't want to talk about. So if I'm trying to be positive and share a bunch of stuff that I like, why would I have anyone else on the show other than people that I really like their music, I love their music, whatever it happens to be, why would I not, why would I not do that? So for Sean and for Alisana, I can't tell you the amount of times in my life, 10 to 12 years, that their music has changed my opinion of a certain situation that I was in. It's one of those bands that I've always been able to throw on whatever album I want to at the time because I do love all of their albums. So I can go ahead and throw on any one and feel happy no matter what. And I think in music that's extremely important. And I hope that you all listening have albums that you can do that with as well. Alisana is one of those for me. They're one of the biggest. So to have Sean on here, you're going to hear it. I am nervous as fuck. Like I am I am so and you know, we're not face to face. I think actually that would be easier. I think doing interviews in person, I actually don't get nervous about. It's more phone interviews and Skype interviews, which you've heard on the show. You know we do it. I said we again. You know I do it a lot. The interviews are a very important part of the show because I enjoy talking to people and I like the interaction and I want to learn about these bands and I want the audience to learn about the bands as well. I want you to learn if you don't know these bands or if you don't know this particular question or you've always wondered something. That's why I've always asked if there's a band you want me to talk to and I plan on having them on the show, you can ask me questions that you would like me to ask said band. Like that is that is not a problem. I think that's great. So in this interview with Sean, you're going to hear me. I am I am off. I'm off my game. Because this it threw me for a loop. I wasn't I first of all never thought that Sean would be on the show. I never thought that he would be able to make the time. I mean, he's extremely busy. Even though Alisana is on hiatus right now, he's also doing all the revival recording stuff. He's got his very first band that he's reuniting with, and he's going to talk about that. Plus, he's working on the Annabelle story, which sounds amazing, which I know everyone's been waiting for, and I've been waiting for it. Believe me, I have to pull back during the conversation to not just hound him on that the whole time. Like there's, I I can't help it. Of course, I want to ask all the things that you want to ask. And spoiler alert, the conversation is like almost an hour long. As people who listen to the show know, I don't edit the other, like I don't edit the conversations. So I leave their natural cadence in. Like even if there are pauses, like I just, I I leave those in. It was something that that I thought about when I first started the show. Because when I did radio, obviously you don't edit things afterwards. It's just, it's live and you go from there. With a podcast, you have the ability to do that. And that's why I normally book bands in advance. Because first of all, you never know when, you never know when you're going to have to reschedule. You never know when, you know, something's going to come up and then you promote. And then the audience is let down because you said, hey, we were going to have so-and-so on the show, but then it doesn't happen. So I have the ability to edit, but I don't. 
because I'm not making this like the only time I would ever have to edit is like if it was a Skype call and there's some weird sounds and you know whatever that happens to be I can go ahead and take that out like that's easy stuff but I leave what the band say in there I leave what the people say in there and that's the same for Sean so you're going to hear it like a conversation like I said before I'm not pacing this together to make sound bites so you're going to hear my <laughs> hear my random questions and I just use run-on sentences because I need to explain to him why I'm asking these questions and that's not a good technique to use. And I don't think I use that all the time. I'm sure I do every once in a while. I'm not perfect. I do try and be as professional as possible with these, but I just I figured I would explain some of this stuff because I think this is important. I, I don't think all the time I get to talk to everyone. I come on and I and I talk about how much I really like the band. I talk about their new stuff coming out. And then I go into it. I play a track normally from whatever new thing they have or some of my favorites, something like that. And then we go into the conversation. Yeah, and I'm trying to get away from that interview term because I really don't think it's an interview. And I'm not, I'm not trying to be pretentious about it. My goal is not to have an interview. I, I could easily write questions and send them off to someone and I could put it on the blog on the website. But that is not what I want to do. I want to have a conversation. So what I guess I'm trying to get across is this was a really big deal for me. There was a girl and you know, hey, every great story starts like that, right? There was a girl in my past that I was in love with. I still think to this day that when I introduced her to the emptiness, that it really changed something in our relationship at that at that time and I know it sounds weird but I'll always remember that and Annabelle will always be my favorite Alisana track for one of those reasons and I bring it up during the during the conversation towards the end I asked Sean hey you know has anyone ever proposed at a show of yours because for me with all the shows I've been to my whole entire life it's got to be in the thousand at least and then countless bands in those shows I've only seen it I think one time where someone had proposed live at a show and it was at a Silverstein show. And that was the first time I've ever seen it. I'm not saying it's a unique thing or that no one's ever seen it before, but that was my plan. And that was before I had seen it at the Silverstein show was when the Decades EP was coming out. Alisana was coming around and I was going to propose to my girlfriend at the time during that show. That would have been the first time that I tried to talk to Sean and Dennis or anyone else in the band would have been to ask them if I could do that during their set. So that's kind of like, to me at least, that's a big deal because that was a step that I wasn't sure I was ever going to take. Their music had facilitated a lot of that relationship. So it was like a big deal to me. And even though all of that's in the past and that's not the case anymore, you know, I ended up going to that show alone. That whole situation did not happen. <laughs> but in general, I think it's a fun story. And, you know, I bring it up to Sean. But I just wanted to let everyone know in the audience because Sean talks a lot in this conversation and it's great because he might even be able to tell that I am completely nervous and I am very honest on this show as I've said before as I said in this episode so far and if you don't know that you will that's just the way I am I'm not going to I'm not going to hide it I am who I am this is why I do this podcast I do this show because I am who I am and I want to share this stuff with everyone I want to share the passion that I have for the music so I just wanted to kind of have 
I guess almost it's almost a heart to heart with you guys. And I hope you I hope you're okay. Look, you could have skipped ahead at any point and just gotten to <laughs> just arrived at hearing Sean talk, which I know is what people really want. And believe me, that's what I want as well. But I had to go through that. So like everyone knows who Sean is. Not only is he the and I will tell you this and hopefully you'll laugh at it because I don't need anyone telling me later. But I was so nervous during this interview when I was hyping him up kind of during it. I said, you're the lead singer of Alisana and the lead guitarist. I know he is not the lead guitarist to Alisana. And I start laughing because he's very nice about it. And I, I hope that he knows that that was just a slip. But yeah, I know he's not the lead guitarist of Alisana, but I said it because I was nervous. So don't jump all over me. I, I know the deal. It's, it's, not, it's not a case of me just doing my research and then going, oh, oh no, I just learned about this and I said it wrong. No, no, no. The, maybe it's even worse that I've known this for 10 to 12 years and still got it wrong. Anyway, going back to what I was saying before. Uh, Sean is the lead singer and rhythm guitarist of Alisana. He not only does that, but he is also president of A&R for Revival Recordings. You all know, I mean, if you listen to the show, you know, like right now, I've had the things they carried and Alteris. Alteris has just signed with Revival Recordings, which I mentioned in last week's episode. But there are so many amazing bands on that label. It's awesome. So I love talking about that stuff too. It's not just about Alisana. It's about everything else. I mean, I also love Tempting Paris. So it was great to talk to him about that and to see if new music was going to come out. It was great talking to him about things that were going on in Revival. Uh, you'll hear it in the you'll hear it in the conversation. Sean talks about his his family life a little bit, the band. He ta- he talks about all this. So I hope you enjoy it. Maybe you don't learn something. Hopefully you do. It was really nice of him to take the time out. Thank you, Giacomo, for setting this up with me. I'm going to do the same thing that I normally do on the show. I know this was a long intro, and it's longer than I normally do, but I thought you deserve some more backstory. So let's really get this, this whole episode off and running. So I'm going to do what I normally do now. <laughs> Not necessarily that long intro there. But what I'm going to do now is play a most profound quiet going into the conversation with Sean and then come out of that conversation with Sweetheart, You Are Sadly Mistaken. Now, both those songs are off of Where Myth Fades the Legend, if you didn't know that. And there's a reason why I'm going to play them and you'll hear it in the conversation. So here's a most profound quiet and then the conversation with Sean. Thank you very much, guys. Love me 
How are you doing? How's the day going? Uh, it's about as busy as every other day goes, but yeah. going well. <laughs> well, that's what I, I guess that's what I wanted to start with, basically, is uh, now you've got tons of stuff that you're doing every day. What is a normal day like for you? A normal day is waking up when the kids wake up, making sure my oldest gets dressed for school and out the door, and then it's on to work stuff. I usually spend, you know, a good part of the day at the revival office, mm-hmm. um, but if there's creative stuff that I'm that I'm needing to tend to, whether it be musical or, or otherwise, like right now I'm wrapping up writing the, the Annabelle story, uh, just kind of getting that edited and, and ready to go out the door. So amazing! I tried to devote as, as many hours to that as possible in addition to all the work stuff. And then get the kids fed <laughs> to bed and go back to work before I go to bed. <laughs> now that, that is a long day right there. Absolutely. Now that's a and if I'm lucky, I get to spend an hour or two with my wife. <laughs> All right. All right. Now, is that how kids has changed uh, basically most of your life right now? The kids? Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely, man. And you know, raising kids, as any parent will attest to, is is incredibly challenging but rewarding work. And they've changed me and my life for for the better. They just they motivate you in every way possible, and they they blow your mind every single day. Even on the days when they drive you absolutely up a wall, it's still just the most incredible experience anybody can have. Oh, that's awesome to hear. No, that's great. Do you see any musical tendencies coming out in them right now? Are they still too young? Oh, no, absolutely. Um, I don't, you know, we don't have prodigies on our hand or anything like that. <laughs> and I don't want to play the instrument just yet. They're, they're four years old and 20 months old. So. Right. Um, but both very, very interested in music. Love the fact that I play music. I play for them as much as I can. Um, they both show an instrument, or beg pardon, they both show an interest in instruments, but they just haven't quite, quite grasped them fully yet. <laughs> oh sure, no, that makes that makes total sense. So really quick, you went, uh, and we'll get to it, I'm sure, later too. But you said you were wrapping up the Annabelle story. Is that the website? Are you a part of putting that all together? Yeah, it's going to be on the website, but there's actually some even more exciting things coming with that that I can't quite say yet because it's going to get announced very, very soon. Uh, but everything's happening in July. So a lot of really cool things. I've been working really, really hard on it for a really long time. And I know a lot of fans have been a little put off, or a little frustrated that this whole thing has taken so long. But I think when they see what it became, they'll appreciate the wait. We, and we didn't want to rush this thing out just to say we did it. Right. The whole idea was to do it do it well. I mean, it's been so many years coming, and this vision has been in our heads for so, so long. So now it's so close to becoming a reality. I wanted to make sure that every detail was, was taken care of properly before we exposed it to the fans. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I would imagine it's, yeah, it's been years of your life, not only years of your life, but years of the fans' lives, uh, you know, listening and following you guys around as well. And that's amazing. Look, I'm, I'm a huge fan. Uh, this is a, a huge honor to be able to talk to you uh, on the show. Thanks, man. Oh, I, no, no, thank you. I'll, I'll get that out of the way first. Uh, but I I think people will understand, or they, they should definitely understand, especially what you're doing with Revival right now. I mean, you are you're president of A&R and you're director of creative uh, production. I know you guys are also on hiatus as well, but with everything going on in your life, I mean, where do you find the time to do all that? I, I always pretend there's 36 hours in a day. You just <laughs> figure out how to do it. Um, but no, uh, you know, with, with Alex and I going on the hiatus thing and everything like that, that was that was sort of a necessary evil that had to happen for everybody. You know, every 
we've been doing Alistair, it'll be 12 years this October, and, you know, people have families and other ventures they want to pursue, you know, with mine being Revival, of course, and, uh, you know, Shane and Patty each have new bands that they're a part of, and, yep. you know, Jake just had, had a baby with his wife. So there's just, you know, as much as you want to constantly give to the fans and give to the fans, I think one thing some fans tend to forget is that, you know, artists and and bands and, you know, people with any sort of level of notoriety, they're they're human beings as well, and there's other things they want to experience and accomplish in their lives. Absolutely. And it's it's challenging because you don't want to let them down, you don't want to frustrate them, but at the same point, you know, I'm always going to make sure that my bandmates and I are doing the things we want to do in life so that Alisana is always an enjoyable thing for us to do. We don't want it to become a chore, we don't want it to become work. It's got to be fun, first and foremost. Right. No, absolutely. I think I think you see that in the music that you've made because not only evolving that term gets gets thrown around a lot uh, when talking about music, but you guys have followed whatever path that you've wanted to, even while telling the the Annabelle story. You've been telling it the way that you want to throughout all these years, uh, and I think that's what's very commendable about what you're doing. Thank you. Yeah, most certainly. And and that was that was a decision we made very early on in our career when. When we started to notice that we were starting to gain some popularity, gain a little steam, you know, shows were starting to be a little more packed than we expected. It was at that point we had to decide what we were going to be, you know, and I think it's important for an artist to do that because right. there's going to be, you know, financial temptations and creative temptations that will be in your face as as your career expands and those decisions become more challenging when they're actually in your face. You know, it's one thing to sit at home on your couch and be like, oh, I would, I would turn that down or I would do it this way. But, you know, when it's actually there, it's a really tough decision to make. So we had to collectively decide what it was we were going to be. And for us, it was that we were just always going to be us. You know, even if that meant making a record that frustrated some of our fans. We, the record didn't frustrate us. And the right. record was where we were creatively at that point in time. And I think that the fans who stuck by us for so many years are the fans who respect that about us and expect that of us to make a record that we want to make, not just the records that we think somebody wants to hear. Right. Yeah, that's a very, very good way of putting it. Uh, and I know you've probably answered these questions before, too. Was there a certain album where people were more complaining about the direction in which you chose? Yeah. So, you know, on Friendly Wings of Vanity and Wax was our, our breakthrough record, and that was, as I'm sure is the case with a lot of bands, that's the record that kind of defines you, so there's certain fans who always want that record. Ah. So when we start to break off into the more kind of progressive orchestral-type stuff later down the line, some of those fans that were originally there, they just didn't want anything to do with it anymore. Interesting. And then, but I think the time we had the, the largest divide in our fan base was when we went from the emptiness to a place with the sun is silent, because the emptiness had take, took us to an entirely different level as a band. Yes, it did. You know, that was <laughs> yeah. when our, our popularity just exploded and shows were packed, and we're just like, holy cow, how did this happen? Because, again, we didn't write the emptiness because we thought it was going to be this iconic thing for Alice and we wrote it because that's just the record we wanted to write. Right. And we decided we wanted to start telling our own story. So we just did it, and I think the honesty behind it is what made it so popular. And then, ironically, that same honesty that we used on the place of the sun is silent turn a great deal of our fans off and i don't it's hard for me to know why yeah because you know i'm i'm in the center of it with my bandmates so we just see it as a record that we did that we're proud of 
but I just know that based on reaction and criticism that a, a significant portion of our fan base were kind of thrown off by that album. That's Yeah, that's very interesting to me. And what I like is that you didn't listen to that because you went on to make Confessions, which is a lot different from what you've made before as well, while still in the same vein. Yeah, definitely. And it's, it's funny, I won't say we had a chip on our shoulder, but there's a little <laughs> bit of a chip on our shoulder with Confessions because one of the criticisms of Flesh with Sun is Silent was that it wasn't quote-unquote heavy enough, which we've always found that to just be silly because we didn't put heavy elements in our music because we wanted to be a heavy band. We put heavy elements in our music because we like heavy music, and those elements just found their way into our music, just right. like every other type of element finds its way in. But yeah. with Confessions, it was like, oh, our, our fans want something heavy, well then we'll you know, we'll do that. But again, it wasn't like we did it because they asked for it. It was, it was still organic. Um, but it was just kind of funny in the end that it turned out to be what I, what I find to be probably our heaviest record, if not our strangest record. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, I think it covers both of those. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me, let me ask you this from, uh, let's go a little ways back. Uh, so I've seen you live multiple times. Um, it's one of, you guys put on, one of my favorite shows anytime that I see you. Uh, so I always know and I always recommend you guys to, to people. What I did notice though recently, uh, you know, I know you haven't been on tour that recently, uh, but you kind of stopped playing songs from uh, where Myth Fades the Legend. Is there a reason for that? <laughs> Again, it's one of those things that I love how fans will spot certain things that we don't necessarily realize that we're doing. Right, right. I guess now, I guess now that you've pointed it out, yeah, that, that's <laughs> That's fairly true. I think it's largely because The Emptiness was our most iconic record that we have, as I mentioned earlier. Yep. And then Frail Wings is, you know, arguably our most popular just because it was our first. And as you put out new music, it gets tougher and tougher to include something from everywhere. Right. Um, especially if you throw into the fact that we did the Try This With Your Eyes Closed EP, and we did the Decade EP. Yeah, yep. So there's just, I mean... Sometimes my own mind is blown when I realize how many songs we've actually released. It's it's incredible, and it is. So to to cut a headlining set down to ten or twelve songs when you know you've got probably five six times that amount in your catalog, we sort of just start started choosing the songs we enjoy playing the most in okay. live setting, I guess. And I I guess that album is <laughs> it just loses by default. I don't know. It's it's funny because one of my favorite, two of my favorite songs to play are on that record, which is The Most Profound Quiet and Sweetheart, You're Sad Mistaken. Oh, sure. Yes. Yes, no, that's that's great. And that's and that's the only reason why I asked. It certainly wasn't a complaint because, like I said, I love every time you guys are around. Um, I don't care what songs you choose because I pretty much like them all. But I noticed that that was one of the things. I just wasn't sure if there was a backstory to why that one for some reason but that that makes total I will sense say we, i will say too not, not to cut you off but i'll say that when we did wear myth Face the legend we were kind of in that that sophomore thing that some bands go through where it's like what are we because you know our popularity exploded with the first record and it was like we went from being a local band to a band on the national stage you know i've always when I'm kind of nurturing bands or mentoring bands, I'll always say you have your whole life to write your first record, and then you have a record cycle to write your next. Ah, okay. Like you can, you know, you can go through band after band after band and write tons of albums with all your friends and do this, that, the other. But as soon as that one album happens, that makes you that makes your band step in the spotlight. Now you've got pressure on you to write that next record, and I think we kind of went through this like 
oh, we don't want people to think we're necessarily this one certain thing, so we went against it a lot, image-wise, and sort of, like, our music video was goofy, our photos were goofy, (laughs) and it was kind of our intent to be like, hey, you know, we write this music that's based on mythology, and it's, you know, it can get really serious, and we touch on some serious subjects, and, but we are, at the core, just six dudes who like to have a good time with each other playing music, and that, so, I guess, I don't know if we have bad taste in our mouth from that era, it's just sort of the the cloudiest era of what we were. Like, I feel like that was the, the least, the record that had the least direction on it. Like, we weren't ah. sure what we wanted that record to be, and it always kind of felt that way. So I guess when it comes time to choose songs to play, we, don't, we generally just don't pick from that one. That's a great answer for that. Now, let me, uh, I just want to touch on something that you said uh, when you're talking about mentoring other bands. Now, does that come into... Uh, bands that are on revival right now have you have you had a real hand in bringing people in and then uh, helping out with what they're actually doing? Absolutely. I mean, I'll, I'll give as much help as the artist wants to. You know, I'm not going to force my hand in, but all my artists know that I'm here for whatever they need, whatever they want to ask, and I'll, I'll always give my advice. You know, it's and it comes with experience. You know, mm-hmm. having been around in the industry this long comes with a lot of answers. It's not that. I think I know everything. It's it's far from it. I, I'm learning something new every single day. But if I had had somebody with my kind of experience back when I was first starting, I know that I would have been all ears. Right. So that's kind of the way I put it out to my bands. And so we have bands on revival, and then we also do um, a developmental management agency uh, called 307 Artist Management, where we find up and coming local bands, and not just local to North Carolina where we're based, yep. but just local bands in all scenes. And it's kind of like. You know, we're not going to land you huge tours. We're not going to get you in the studio with huge producers. What we're going to do is help guide you in making decisions to turn your band into a business and into something that you guys can consider success. Oh, no, that's great. I mean, I would think that would be a huge reason why people would come to either of those, to the the management or to Revival or both, just because they have access to yourself and the staff that you have there. Sure, yeah. And then, you know, I've, I've... said it since I started the company, that the music industry is a huge, huge place, and everybody is more than welcome to do things the way they want to do it. All we're looking to do is carve out a little piece of this industry and do things the way we want to, so that we're determining what success is based on our goals and not based on the goals of somebody else. Yeah, and it seems like you're doing that. I mean, when I look at the list, the things they carried uh, have actually been on the show before. Uh, you have Funeral Portrait, who I've seen a bunch of times, uh, Migosh as well, Famous Last Words, uh, Cabaret Runaway, and Uh Huh Baby. Yeah, all those bands are really good. Thank you very much. And it's actually an extremely exciting time for our label. So many big announcements are coming up over the next several weeks, and I know that probably sounds like a cliche thing to say, but it's actually very true. Um, there's a, a partnership we're going to be announcing. There's actually three bands that are joining our label here. Oh, wow. Uh, that have already joined our label that we're going to be announcing um, over through the rest of the summer and into the fall. Uh, a couple really awesome pre-orders coming up for uh, for some things Alessana-related, Famous Last Words-related. And actually, this Friday, July 1st, we are announcing a new band to the label and announcing their record and their music video. So, oh, a lot of nice. really cool stuff coming up. I think I have an idea who that is, and I'm not going to say it on the show. But uh, this... <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, you can shoot me an email if you were right. And oh, okay. Tell me you were right. All right. I'm, I'm pretty sure I got it. Uh, yeah, this, this show will actually be coming out in a couple of weeks, so it will already be out there for everyone. 
Oh, gotcha. Well, I guess I could probably just say it then, and it wouldn't really make a difference, would it? Yeah, no, it's only it's it's only if you trust me. But I know I totally understand. We can talk offline. <laughs> but no, that's that is that is awesome, and that's what that's uh, one of the things I love about doing this show is being able to talk to so many different bands that I love. Your label has so many of them, so it's just it's interesting to talk to you. I guess, and this is a cliche question, probably, but what made you want? to start a label in the first place? Was it just to help bands that you know you already love or struggling artists? Uh, what was it with all the things you have to do already? I think what it was is actually before Alexana even took off, um, when I was still playing in an older band uh, called TLE, Legitimate Excuse, which was uh, my partner at Revival, Nick Donorado, oh. he and I, that was our pop punk band together. We're actually uh, doing like a reunion record that we're hoping to record this summer. Uh, most of the material is already written. Oh, wow. But it'll be a lot of fun. It's, it's old-school pop punk, really really fun stuff. But nice. Anyway, so I remember when we were starting to, like, you know, send press kits to record labels and everything, and, you know, you never hear back. And my whole thing was, even way back then, you know, years and years ago, I thought to myself, like, I want to start the kind of label that is always welcoming press kits and is always talking to bands. And, and even if the music's not good, I, I mean, I'll be completely honest with you, you know, everything that you get sent, is not necessarily good. And, and when I say that it's not good, it just means it's not ready yet. It doesn't mean that the musicians aren't talented or that the songs don't have potential. It's just that they're not there yet. And I think one of our huge goals at Revival is to always give give responses and give suggestions. You know, it's it's unbelievable to me how many times a band has reached out and, you know, they're just not ready to be on a label yet. And uh. instead of just, you know, sending them packing, we write back, like, look, here, here's what you could try. Try this, do this, do this. And they always seem so incredibly grateful for that. Right. And so I, I guess it's just, it all goes back to me wishing I had that back then. And so throughout my career with Alcetta, it was always my eventual goal to start a record label because, you know, I, I'm, I'm not going to tour and jump around like an idiot on stage <laughs> for, for the rest of my life. So my idea was I want to pass on, you know, my knowledge, my experiences, my successes, my failures onto other bands and kind of get to experience the joy and success of art through them, you know, with a label. No, that's, that's, that's great. How do you decide what they have that you want to bring in? It's tough. You know, I've, I've been asked that question before, and, you know, for me, it's really just a gut feeling. Okay. Um, just last night, uh, my wife and I watched a movie called Begin Again, which had uh, Mark Ruffalo in it. Okay. And he plays, he kind of plays this washed-up record exec, and he's down on his luck, and he stumbles into a bar, and there's... Um, Kira Knightley's in it. She's she's on stage. She's playing a solo acoustic song, mm-hmm. and they show this scene where he walks in and he's watching her play, and suddenly he's hearing the arrangement. Like, and it was really cool the way uh. they shot it. Like, there's a cello on stage, and the cello just starts playing itself, and the piano's on stage, and it just starts playing itself, and the drums start playing itself. It's like it's the way he sees it. And that that's sort of what it is, you know. Interesting. You can't really put your finger on what makes you like something. You just hear it, and you go, "That has potential." And at the end of the day, it's our record label, and we can sign whatever we want, and that's the beauty of it. Like, right. if we love it and we believe in it, we're going to sign it, because there's nobody who can tell us that we can't. And that's, to me, is the, the greatest joy that I get out of running Revival, is that we get to create our artist culture, because it's our culture to create. That's great. All right, let me, let me change gears here for a second. So let's go back to partially in the beginning. So you're, you're lead singer, you're lead guitarist. How did you know that you wanted to do that for a living originally? 
Well, I will say I appreciate you telling me I'm a lead guitarist, but I'm anything but I'm a rhythm guitarist. <laughs> I will say that I am. I fall very short when it comes to playing lead. I try to get better every day, but that, I leave the complicated stuff to Pat and Jake. Uh, they blow me out oh, gotcha. the water as, as guitar players. But um, no, uh, it's. I mean, in in high school, I was really smart. I graduated second in my class, and I played sports. Like that's what I did. I always loved music. My my parents loved music, so therefore I loved music. And I didn't even start playing guitar until I was seventeen years old. Oh, okay. And I guess it was when I. When I started to get the hang of the guitar, I found such a thrill out of trying to write songs. Okay. And so it sort of developed from there. And when it came time to start Alessana, I, I had sung in previous bands, the pop punk band I mentioned earlier. Yep. I sang in it. When it came time to do Alessana, I remember sitting Pat down and saying, I, I don't want to sing in this band. <laughs> like, I, I just didn't want the pressure of having to get better at singing and all this. And, and he said that he wouldn't do the project with me if I wasn't the singer. And I think that that was the confidence boost I needed to take on that task. And wow. I, so to answer your question, I don't know that I ever really was like, one day I'm going to sing and play guitar in a band. It was never really like that. Okay. It sort of developed over time as each step happened. When you were playing, well, actually, what sports uh, were you interested in? Uh, baseball was my primary sport. I played first base and I pitched. Oh, right. Okay. Um, I actually did read about that. Played, All right. Yeah, I also played uh, basketball and volleyball. Oh, very nice. Was there ever a time that you thought you were going to try a career in those? Yeah, I mean, when I was about to go to college, I I met with you know the baseball coach at that college, and I, I loved baseball, I really did. But when it when I heard about you know morning and afternoon practices, and it's basically when you go to college and play ball, that's it. Yeah, like you you go to class and you play baseball, and that is it. And I think I just was a little more adventurous at that point in my life, and I just I didn't want baseball to be the only thing I was doing, and it's kind of great that that happened because if I had done that, then my music career probably never would have happened. I certainly would not have reached any sort of high level in baseball either. So I'm really glad that I made that decision. Gotcha. Is it is it something that you're, besides the music aspect of your life, introducing it to your children, but are you looking forward to maybe introducing baseball to them? Oh, and in fact, to be fully honest with you, I shove baseball down their throats way more than I shove music <laughs> down their throats. <laughs> I constantly make them sit and watch the Phillies play and... I'm always trying to get him outside playing wiffle ball, so it's baseball is definitely more the hey you should you should like baseball. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so you're a you're a Phillies fan? Oh yes, I'm I'm originally from Philadelphia, so oh. I'm four for four Philly guy. I remember reading about Baltimore and then North Carolina, so I didn't know that you were from Philly originally. Yeah, Baltimore is where I relocated uh, for the band Philly that I was playing in, and Alabama got its start there, and then we came down to North Carolina. But I'm originally from. Uh, Philadelphia and grew up in South Jersey. Oh, okay. I'll go back to one other thing that you said originally. So you said that you were going to have to sing and you had to get better. How did you end up getting better at singing? I don't know. I think I just kept doing it. Um, I, I remember I could, I could embarrassingly play for people some of the earlier bands I played in and my vocals and how terrible of a singer I was. <laughs> very, very froggy, very throaty. I don't really know when it changed, but I really believe it was the confidence thing. Okay. Uh, towards the latter days of the CLE days, when we started getting a lot of shows under our belt, you started feeling less nervous when you're on stage, you pushed a little harder, and I think the key to any vocalist realizing their potential is when you realize that you should be singing from your stomach and not from your throat. Sure. And once I kind of learned to do that, it just kept getting better and kept getting better, and I remember when we first started Alessand, I was like, I really want to scream, I love Jeff Rickley's screams on Thursdays, uh. kind of like that emotional, shouty, like, 
it's not a metal stream. It's more just like I'm getting attacked and I want to shout kind of stream. And, <laughs> sure. and when I learned to do that, it kind of took my voice in a whole other place. I think the question I get asked the most is, how do I sing so high pitched? And I, I couldn't tell you. I mean, I have a very deep speaking voice, and I, who knows? Who knows where the high pitched singing voice comes from? My mom's a very good singer, but I, I really couldn't tell you. No, no, and that makes sense. You do the clean vocals and you do those screams. Is there a style that you prefer? Uh, in terms of the screaming? Yeah. Yeah, I, so again, I, I kind of start off with the Jeff Rickley thing. I mean, I, I don't hide that fact at all. I was trying to be Jeff Rickley when I first started screaming. Oh, sure, but yeah, yeah. I think over the years, I've just tried to develop my own kind of flavor of the scream. And with each record we do, I try to do something new with my scream. And yes. When we put out confessions, like one of the most rewarding moments of my career was when somebody asked who the third guy screaming right. was. Right. Yeah, yeah. Because the, the new, because the new scream that I did on that record, people didn't even realize that, that I was the one doing it. I'm like, that is awesome. That means I developed an entirely new scream for myself that even threw our fans off guard. No, absolutely. Yeah, I, I was. That was one of my questions I was going to ask. Not the third one, but just about that scream in general. No, no, that's that's amazing that you're still pushing your voice to do different styles. Uh, I guess. The question then is, how do you train? Like, what is that transition between doing a live show and doing that to doing the recording sessions? Because you are transitioning now from multiple different types of screams and the clean vocals. How do you prepare for something like that? I mean, in a live setting, for me, it's, it's just understanding my potential for that night. Uh, whenever younger vocalists have asked me how, you know, how I can tour for 300 days out of the year and not blow out your voice, my first answer is, I've blown out my voice before. I mean, I right. think everybody has done it at some point in their career when you were young and stupid and weren't, take care and weren't taking care of your voice and all that. But after that scaring the crap out of me, I was like, okay, I need to, <laughs> to figure out a way to not do that. And for me, it, was, it wasn't doing a hundred different warm-ups every day or you know, drinking a specific thing or eating a specific thing. It was just knowing what my limit was on that day, understanding okay. my body and listening to my body. And when I did my warm-ups, going, okay, I don't have a 10 tonight. I have about an 8. So then you keep everything at that 8. Because the way you blow wow. out your voice is if, is if you're at an 8 and you try to go at a 10, you're just you're going out of your range for that night, and then you destroy yourself. So Interesting. That was kind of, that's kind of how I handle it in a live setting when I'm on tour. The most challenging thing in a studio is that you have a ton of adrenaline when you're playing on a stage, like an absolute ton of it. Right. And so to try and find that same adrenaline to get my vocals to do the same things in a studio that they that they do live, I think that's one of the most, most challenging things as a singer. Did you ever have your voice go out in an extremely serious time where you had a rest of a tour or you had a big show coming up? I can remember two specific times. One was our first time over in Germany. And when you tour in Europe or when you whenever you do an international tour and they fly you, it's like, you know, you're, you hit the stage at 10 o'clock, you get off around 1130, they feed you, they take you back to the hotel, and you're up like two hours later to go to the airport to fly to the next city. And sleep is probably the single most important thing any vocalist can do. That's sure. when your body regenerates, that's when your vocal cords regenerate. And so you're not getting any sleep, not getting any sleep. And this is, again, way in the early part. So I wasn't taking proper care of my voice. And there was just one day that I, it was pretty much laryngitis. Like I couldn't speak, I couldn't sing. Oh. And I have, I have no shame admitting this. Uh, we get on stage and I. I remember telling Adam Ferguson, who was still in the band at the time, yep. I was like, hey, sing as much as you can tonight. I'm going to pretend my microphone's broken. <laughs> like, that's all I did. So, like, I kept, I would just 
let out like a little noise here and there to make it seem like I'm looking at the sound guy, like pointing at the microphone, like what's going on here. And it's for me, cause I wanted the show to carry on. I didn't want to go up there and be worried that I wasn't singing, you know, cause the performance is still everything. That's what, that's what kids pay to see. They want right. to see the performance. And if, and if I'm up there just being down on my luck and sad about it, then that's not going to do anybody any good. No, that's, um, that's genius. And then there was one other time in Dallas, somewhere in Texas, and I don't even know. I, I still to this day don't know what happened. I was fine the night before. I was fine the first half of the set, and I was fine the next day. Just something popped a little bit about halfway through the set, and oh. it, it just kind of cut, cut my voice in half. Like, I went from probably a nine that night down to about a three or a four. And, you know, luckily it was halfway through the set, and I was able to just, you know, put a little more energy into the stage, but... Yeah, so I mean, it's happened. It happens to everybody. For me, it's just about how you roll with the punches when it does happen. Again, you know, make sure you're still putting on a good show. True. Did you uh, did you ever do vocal lessons at all to strengthen anything or to see where those issues might come from? No, because again, I, for me, it's just about listening to my body and understanding it. And I think in those two particular instances, you know, maybe I just got a little careless, but. The good thing is when those experiences happen, you go, oh, wait a minute, don't let that happen again. And it kind of reminds you, like, listen to yourself, take care of yourself, that sort of thing. Um, but no, I, I've never been one to, to do the vocal lessons. It just, I, I like trusting my, myself for that sort of thing. Sure. You're one of my all-time favorite vocalists. It's one of the things you're able to do differently is whatever you're conveying, I can hear the passion in your voice. So you can go from, like, confidence to despair all the way to happiness and anger, all by just changing the inflection of your voice. And I think it's amazing. Thanks, man. And it's, it's, it's an intentional thing on my part, so to hear anybody catch that is, is, pretty, is pretty cool. Now, how about your lyrics and writing? And I know people have asked you this a ton, but I just have to know uh, some of this stuff for myself uh, and the audience as well. Is it safe to say you've almost done concept albums for all of your records, at least for Alisana? Oh, definitely. Uh, you know, before <laughs> I go back to the TLA thing again, because that's just a band that taught me how to play in the band. You know, we were young kids, so everything was about girls and heartbreaks. Oh, yes. is what every late teen pop punk band is about. Absolutely. But uh, when, it, when it came to Alexander, that was a conscious decision. You know, when, when Dennis and I, when I met Dennis and Dennis joined the band, we decided we were going to take this super unique approach of everything is going to be co-written. All of it. Oh, it's wow. Okay. It's not going to be you write one, I write one. It's going to be exclusively co-written. Every song, with the exception of a couple of the piano tunes, okay. maybe maybe only even one of the piano tunes. I think the secret track from Decade AP. But even then, he, he, yeah, no. Every single song we've done has been collaborative. Wow. Like he and I. Um, so that in and of itself is conceptual writing. Yes. But, so when we, when we started writing together, our big thing was we didn't want it to be you know, pop punk diary entries. Right. That just wasn't, you know, and, and that's not to, that's not to, uh, to criticize bands who do that because I've done it. I, I, most of my favorite bands do it that way. It just, for us, that's not what we wanted to do. That was an attempt for us to separate ourselves from the pack, so to speak. And, you know, both he and I were huge nerdy fans of Greek mythology and that just happened to be the first route we took. We're like, hey, let's, you know, Let's do Greek mythology, and that's, that's kind of where Frail Wings was born. Right. Um, the first EP, Try This With Your Eyes Closed, was a little bit more experimental in the lyric writing. I, I wouldn't necessarily say it was all conceptual, okay. but it was 
co-written, you know, collaborative, but it was more like, hey, let's take normal situations that would normally be written this way and write them that way. You oh. know, it's like, you know, change the ending, like the, the, the typical ending that a song would have. Let's change it and make it this way. And then to expand on that, the first time he and I ever wrote our own story was The Last Three Letters. That ah, uh, sure. track six on Fair Wings. That was the first time we were like, hey, let's just make up a story real quick. And so we did that. And that's actually how The Emptiness was born, was the last three letters was a lot of fun. We should just do that for an entire record. And that's huh. when that happened. And it's, it's pretty cool when the Annabelle story comes out, there's some references to the last three letters to kind of excite our fans and also pay tribute to that moment when that's when we decided we wanted to tell our own story. Have you ever gone into directly how the character Annabelle came about, or is that going to be part of the story uh, that you'll be releasing soon? Uh, in terms of how Dennis and I created her? Yeah. That really was... So when we decided we are going to tell our own story, okay, but what? You know, it's an, an endless sea of possibilities when you're going to tell your own story. Exactly. So we decided that to make sure we were giving our fans the necessary love that we wanted to give them, because our fans up to that point loved how we took literature and applied it to our songs. So right. we're like, oh, well, we'll tell our own story, but we'll take literature and apply it to our story. So then we landed on an author that we both love, who's Edgar Allan Poe. Yep. And uh, my, my personal favorite, I'm, I'm sure it's in Dennis's top five, is Annabelle Lee, the poem by Edgar Allan Poe. Yep. And so we named our character Annabelle. And that, that's how it started. We're like, we love Poe. We love that poem. Love the name. Okay, our character's name is Annabelle. Now what? Right. And so that's really how she was born, was just in name only. And she's, she's developed and changed over the years. And, oh, yeah. You know, one, one thing I can tell you about the book when it comes out is that there's a lot of curveballs. There's a lot. It's, it's super abstract storytelling. And it's just really cool how we were able to introduce her with the internet and let fans fall in love with that version of her character. And then a place where the Son of Silent kind of explores some of the other parts of that universe. Yep. And then Confessions really makes you go, wait, what's going on? Yeah, and then when the book comes out, you're like, oh my goodness. So it's, yeah. it's been a lot of fun. I was about to say, there, there are enough twists in Confessions. I wonder what's even going to happen in the book. That's the thing. So Confessions threw, threw a pretty large curveball at everybody. Yep. And the book throws that, basically takes that same curveball and throws it straight back at your face. Very it's nice. the best way I can think to explain it. It's like everything you thought you knew because you listened to confessions and you cracked the code, well, it's, yeah, none of you're, you're going to be, you know, it's going to get thrown right back at you and you're going to be asking yourself questions. Oh, again. wow. So that's my favorite kind of storytelling is I, I love stories that have uh, a lot of metaphor in them, a lot of themes, a lot of important points you're trying to get across. But I like when the, when the actual plot points kind of pull you in every single direction and make you question what you're actually reading and what you're actually experiencing. Wow. Going from that, and now that you are putting that, so that's actually going to be a book? Uh, yes. Okay. Yes, so um, what, is that going to be your only foray into that? Because it seems like you have enough stories that you would be able to release novels if you wanted to. Sure. Uh, I certainly hope that it's not, um, that it's not our last foray to it. Uh, Without giving too much away, the book kind of allows for there to be more possibilities to the universe. Okay. I know that in my mind, the universe is way bigger than 
what's on the pages already. Um, and it enables us to possibly do records about it in the future. That's one thing we haven't fully decided yet. It's if we want to end Annabelle's journey musically with Confessions and just have it be the trilogy. Right. Um, but my hope, my, my sincere hope is that I get to expand this universe, you know, to greater lengths than it's already, than it's already experiencing with this one book. And now with everyone off, you know, doing either family life or touring and, and exploring these other projects, have there been talks about when there'll be a, a reconvening of everyone, or is everyone just off doing their own thing for now, taking that break, kind of not relaxing because everyone's doing their own thing, but just taking that little break from the band they've been touring with for so long? Oh, yeah, certainly. And it's there's been talks of it, and we've already agreed to do several things that are coming up here soon, some international dates. Uh, there's a couple other things that I just can't speak of oh, yet because sure. they haven't been officially announced, but. Yeah, that, I think one of the biggest concerns that fans had was when we put out that song Hiatus that Shane yes. and I wrote together, which, you know, was just our our Alessana way of telling our <laughs> fans that we were going on hiatus. Yeah. Um, you know, that's, that is what it is. You know, so many fans are worried that we broke up and that we won't do anything anymore. It's, no, that's that's why it's called a hiatus. Right. It's just it's just time off to do other things. And, you know, I, I have, I don't... I don't like to end things on other people's terms. When when this band's ready to do its last thing, our fans are going to know that it's the last thing that we're doing. It'll be very intentional. It'll put a nice stamp on our career and our our artistic journey. Oh, that's great then. Yeah, that's I hey, I got to be honest when title aside, listening to Hiatus, I got a little afraid. So that was <laughs> I am glad to hear and I'm sure I'm sure the audience will be glad to hear uh, that that does not mean anywhere close to the end or anything like that. No, definitely not. And again, it's when it's the end, and there will be an end. Yeah. Like I said, I, I don't, I don't like open-ended things. It's I wanted, I've always wanted the Alison journey to have a beginning, a middle, and an end. I'm, I'm a storyteller. It's it's just how it is. So I when it's when it's time to end, and and it's the end. Everybody will know it's the end, and that will be the end. Oh, that makes sense. Let me do a little, you know, confessions and and time travel back a little bit here. So you had mentioned, you know, you were trying to you're trying to kind of have a Thursday scream. What type of music or what bands really influenced you to start? You know, you started playing guitar at around seventeen, but what bands really got you into that? Into playing music? Or yeah, I would say into playing music or even just bands that you really enjoyed enough that yeah, kind of gave you sure. that that yeah. one. Of course, so it's it's going to sound made up and cliche, but the band I was obsessed with growing up was the Beatles. Honestly, oh. I, I I listened to their records until they broke, and I read every possible biography, autobiography, every single thing ever put out about that band. My dad's obsessed with that band. My sister, my mom. So you know, I grew up in a Beatles family, and I loved loved their story of they were just four dudes from a nowhere town who loved music and were always going to do it the way they wanted to do it. And that's kind of where that inspiration came from. It's like, well, if the Beatles did things the way they wanted to do, then I want to do things the way that I want to do. Right. There's, there's a couple really, really obscure, you know, homages or tributes to the Beatles in our music. Um, one of the most notable ones is the way where Miss Face the Legend just ends. Yes. Is uh, from the song She's So Heavy by the Beatles because that song just comes to that abrupt halt. Right. And I was like, I want to do a song like that where <laughs> it builds and it builds and it builds and it, it just stops for no reason. Because 
the Beatles did it, and that's that's good enough by me. That's awesome. Yeah, I I don't go as deep into the Beatles as I wish I had a chance to. I don't know. I've I've been stuck with the same type of music for 15 years, and it's just never stopped. Oh sure, and then look here. I'm not I'm not a Beatles elitist. I'm not the kind of person who runs around like you don't listen to the Beatles. Are you crazy? Like I've everybody has their own flavors, <laughs> their own tastes, and right. for me, it's like I just I just know so much about the band, and I I've listened to their music so much that I. I just experience it on a completely different type of level than, than a casual listener would. And they've influenced me such a great, great deal in my songwriting. Have your tastes changed now? I mean, obviously, you're, you're working for Revival, so I'm assuming you're listening to a lot of new music on a regular basis. Is there anything out now that you've really latched on to? Uh, it's, it's tough to say. So my, my tastes are, are really all over the place, as I'm sure a lot of people would say about themselves, too. Um, and I, I don't just go after brand new music. You know, I, I you know, recently, about a year ago or so, I, I discovered the band The Deer Hunter, and they're just an absolutely incredible band. So the, the fun thing about <clears throat> um, discovering a band so deep into their career is that I love this record. Holy crap, <laughs> they've got like six other records. And then you just get to go and experience all of those records and, you know, have that, that take up your time. I had the same thing happen with uh, Sigur Rose, who is... Oh yeah, become one one of my absolute biggest influences, and that that to me is what is so fun about being a songwriter. And and most people don't catch like the two biggest influences for me on concessions in the songwriting aspect of it, the musical songwriting aspect of it, is between the Barry and me and Figaro's two bands ah, who have okay. no business getting mentioned in the same <laughs> sentence, right? And two bands who any Alcena fans who have listened to concessions are they're probably not going to catch that. Right, but so much of those two bands for me is are on that record. Like so much of their influence is on Confessions. Wow. Yeah, I would I would not have picked those two out. That's for sure. <laughs> you had mentioned your sister, and I wanted to ask you about uh, Tempting Paris as well. That had to have been totally different. Yeah, dude, it's it's funny. For me, one of my crowning achievements um, as a songwriter in the music industry is is that Tempting Paris record. It was such a stray from everything I'd done up to that point in my professional career. And, you know, it's a record I always wanted to do. I always promised her I would do it. You know, I, I sang with my sister growing up. She was, a, you know, such a huge supporter of me in the early years. And she's such a great singer as well. And I, yeah, I always absolutely. wanted to write a record for her. You know, she doesn't play any instruments or anything like that. And so back then, Tempe Paris had a little bit of a break too. My wife and I had just gotten pregnant with our first child. So mm -hmm. we were taking a break from touring. I was like, you know, this is the perfect time to do something Paris, and it was also right when I was starting Revival. I was like, oh, well, I can kind of practice putting out records, you know, on my own by doing this Tempting Paris record and, and putting it out on Revival. And I was back when nobody working for Revival had any clue what the hell we were doing. We were just completely <laughs> guessing how to run a record label. And I, we both agreed we wanted to be extremely piano-driven. I'm yep. not really a piano player. I just like to play piano. I was like, it'd be fun to play piano for this record. And, you know, it's also wanted to get across that whole positive vibe, like, and that's, you know, how my family lives our lives is always through the power of positivity, and we wanted to write a record that was solely about that, just yeah. about being young and being happy and being positive and, and just experiencing all life has to offer, and so I'm just really, really proud of that record, and there's some people that I, I want to shout out here on this podcast that I couldn't have done a record without, and that's my friend, friends the Shivey, they funded that record for me, because... 
you know, again, just starting out the company and everything like that, and, and they believed in it, and they, and they backed it for us. So I just wanted to make sure I said that. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I, it's it's one of my favorite albums as well. I, I guess what I also want to ask, since you're, you're reuniting with the original band, you know, you've got a lot of stuff going on, but would there ever be a reunion of Tempting Paris? Oh, certainly. Um, we, we actually, we put out a song, uh, Revival Recordings put out a compilation record of all acoustic yeah. tracks yeah, it's earlier great. this year. Yep. And uh, my sister and I did a track for that song, or for that album, single for, yeah, it was uh, Stand Up, I believe it was called. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That, was, that. that was great. Thank you. Thank you. But my sister or, and I did a single with Joey, who's our bass player for, for Tendy Paris. We did a single way long ago that we announced was coming out, and there was trouble with the tracks that got recorded in the studio. We've since recorded the vocals for that, and then unbelievably there was problems with the track oh, no. from the vocal too like that song is just not meant to be heard but we're we're working hard to do it it's definitely something i eventually want to do it probably would be an only gt or only be an ep in okay. the interest of full disclosure um yeah. just because we kind of had this little idea of five songs and what they would mean and how they would go together but oh okay yeah so again it's, it's that's part of the fun of being a songwriter and writing songs with your friends and family is whenever you want to do it, you just <laughs> yeah. do it. And that's kind of the advantage of running a record label, too, is if I do it, I can release it to the fans who want to hear it. So that's definitely a lot of fun, and that's kind of why TLE is able to do this resurgence we're going to do soon. It's like, you know, Nick and I run the label together. We, you know, we write the TLE songs together. It's like, why not put one out just for fun? And it's kind of cool, too, because, like I said, we were angsty teenagers when we did TLE, and it was all about girls and heartbreak. Yeah. And now we're both, you know, happily married with kids, and life is just so much different now. So the whole record, we're calling it Dad Punk. Oh, okay, like, there you go. <laughs> right, it's just completely going to be about, you know, kids, and it's going to be funny. The lyrics are going to be really, really funny. It's going to touch on some serious stuff about, you know, parenting and, and kids and things like that but it's, it's going to be a really fun record I'm looking forward to people to hear it no that's great uh, and you said sometime during the summer yeah so we we're, we know who we're making the record with We the songs are almost entirely written uh, it's more just like knock, knocking down the time that we can do it and, and just getting down there and do it and part of the creative approach we're taking with it is you know records these days are are can't spend so much time in the studio and there's so much production and there's this and there's that and you know back in the day it was like dude let's just take a weekend and hit the studio and make a record so we are going to attempt to make the record in four days we're going to go into the studio and we're going to do everything in four days and just hope that the record has the urgency that comes with with doing that sure (laughs) is that the quickest you've ever tried to do anything of that nature uh, yeah, that'll be the fastest. The, the, we did three TLE records, two of them we kind of just did on our own, but the, the one that we actually did in the studio, we did in 10 days. Oh, and wow. then On Throw Wings and Vanity and Wax was made in 13 days. Damn. So those were the, the two quickest ones I've ever done. I haven't done a record in, in less than eight weeks, six or eight weeks since then. But Oh, wow. So okay. it's going to be fun. It's going to be hilarious. Yeah. And we're going to film the whole thing. Oh, you are, you're going to film it. Okay, that's great. Yeah, definitely. No, very nice. Look, I've, I've taken up a lot of your time. I could, believe me, I could go on and talk to you about every single track that <laughs> that you've made of all time. Like, believe me, I'm, unfortunately, I'm that super fan. I just happen to also have a podcast uh, that I actually got to talk to you on. I'm, I'm looking forward to everyone to hearing this. Uh, 
I wanted to, I did want to ask you uh, one thing as well. I, I guess this is the question I want to ask because I almost did this. Has anyone ever proposed during a show of yours? I Yeah, uh, several times. In fact, so many times that I couldn't even remember all of them. And it's, it's cool. I love when that happens. I've, I've had friends do it at fans they love. And it's always, whenever anybody asks us to do that, we always say yes. Like, it's such such a cool thing to be able to experience that moment with somebody. And with uh, one to kind of stem from that, one of the cool things we've had happen way more often than it should or I ever thought it would, but we've had fans name their babies Alisana. It's um, a good name. Spelled the way we spell the band. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it's cool because you think about it, like I always just think of it as the band name, but then when we've been told, oh, we named our baby Alisana, it's like, that's actually a really pretty name for, yeah. you know, a little girl. So it's, it's really touching. It's awesome. I have a collection of pictures of people who brought pictures of their babies. Like this is baby Alessana. So it's really, really cool. And we never take that kind of stuff for granted. It's, it's always very touching. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I, I brought it up because I was planning on doing that when you guys got, uh, when you guys came around for the decades tour, that had been my plan. I ended up showing up not with the person that I was going to do that uh, to, with. Oh, wow. I, I was going to talk to you about it. But yeah, I actually, <laughs> when when you had uh, when you had mentioned that, when I grew up in England, I know it's, it's weird. For years and years and years, and I still get tongue-tied on it, that's why I haven't said it as much during the interview, even though your band is one of my favorite all-time bands, I've been calling you Alisana most of my life. So... You and the rest of our fan base. Is it really? Okay. For much of life. <laughs> and to the point where way earlier in our career, we actually had, you know, we said, hey, what's up, Rory? We're Alistana. And we actually had somebody shout from the crowd, you know, don't you mean Alistana? And we're okay. like, well, no, we named the band, so we're pretty sure we know how to say it. Right. Um, and it's it's just funny. So I've been tortured by that for my entire career with Alistana. And since starting Revival Recording everybody always calls us Revival Records. And I got a, a feature in Substreet Magazine about, you know, Revival and, and starting up this company. And in the article, they put Revival Records. And I was like, I am just doomed to have everything that I named be said <laughs> wrong. And just the other day, my son's running around with a couple of his friends, my four-year-old, and he said Alisana. And I'm like, oh, of course you would say Alisana because everybody in the world says Alisana. See, and then I, my own kid doesn't know how to say my name. <laughs> <laughs> See, I thought I thought I was the one, the only one saying it wrong, and then I oh, realized, no. you, yeah, okay. you are in large company, my friend. All right. Well, now I'm going to have to go back through this podcast and make sure that I didn't say revival records because I'm pretty sure I said recordings, but now I have to check on it. Oh, okay. From from my memory of, of our conversation, okay. you said it properly each time. All right, that would that would be embarrassing. All right, at least I I, I can get tongue tied talking to you, but I'd rather say the words correctly at some point. <laughs> well, Sean, uh, thank you very very much. Uh, like I said, and I wasn't I wasn't joking. Uh, one of the reasons why I have this show in the first place is to talk to some of my favorite bands, and you've gotten me through tons of tough times in my life. Your music. Uh, and I just appreciate getting the time to talk to you. Do you want to let people know where the best way to get in touch with you is to uh, hear all your music? I know you have a lot of announcements coming up. I'll make sure to have a whole ton of links in the descriptions. But is there any place right now uh, where they can listen to what you're doing? Absolutely. Uh, the you know the number one place to stop would be revivalrex.com. It's you know revivalrecf.com. It's our website. Everything we do is up there. 
But the best way to experience our catalog, experience our artists, our music, is on our YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash revivalrex. Again, revival, R-E-C-S. Yep. Uh, we have a lot of cool series that we're putting out. We're going to be doing a, uh, like an acoustic series where our artists play uh, a lot of their tunes acoustically, and a lot of cool things going on over there. It's where we put out all of our material. It's, it's the best way to experience what it is we're trying to do, which is good music by good people, you know, and trying to change the industry to the way that we want to do it in our own little little corner that we've created for ourselves over here. With all the things I have to talk about with you, I didn't even bring up the Comedy of Errors Part 1 and 2 that you have out as well. Um, you have all those videos, too, that everyone can check out, right? Yes, absolutely. Um, all of our artist music videos will appear there. And again, we have a lot of really cool stuff we're announcing soon. A few new bands that we're, that we're releasing to the, to the family and you know, it's, we're excited about these bands we've signed. They're going to take us to, to new and impossible places that we never thought we'd be. Every single month that goes by at Revival, we just shake our heads like, how on earth is this happening? So a lot of really cool things happen over here. A lot of positivity. Uh, the family that we've built over here, not only with our, you know, our company and our bands, but our fans as well. If you, uh, if you follow Revival Rex on Facebook, we have a group called Revival Friends and Family, literally where you just come in there and you talk about music and bands and what you're up to and everybody responds and the bands respond and it's just a really cool community that we've created and we just are looking forward to seeing it grow and grow oh it's absolutely true i mean i'm excited to hear what you have coming up and i'm excited to have more of your bands on this show because i love every single one of them so sean thank you so much this really means a lot to me and i know it will to the audience so once again thank you for all you do and i know everyone's looking forward to the next stuff that's coming out Awesome. I had a really good time, man. Let's do it again sometime, okay? Uh, that sounds awesome. Hey, you want to be a co-host? You can come on anytime. <laughs> <laughs> as long as you make sure that there's now 42 hours in every day. Then I oh, yes. So. No, I appreciate it, Sean. <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, have a great night, and I appreciate everything. Absolutely. Take care.
All right, I am back. I really hope you enjoyed my conversation with Sean. I hope you enjoyed the songs as well. Fucking great, great stuff. And I did not mention this before, I don't think, but I'm going to end the show with Annabelle. As you remember from the intro, I did mention how that is my favorite or one of my favorite all-time songs. So we'll end the show with that today. Uh, But once again, it was awesome to have Sean on. And I'll do some more thank yous towards the end of the show. But now let's get to the rest of the show that I normally do without that huge long intro from the beginning. (laughs) This show might be a little bit more condensed today because I am on my way to Warp Tour. So next week on the show, I'm hoping to have some special guests. I'm trying to plan everything together. But I want to do a Warp Tour special with people who have been to Warp Tour this year. Uh, So we'll kind of focus on this year and and the differences between previous years, what bands we saw, a whole lot of stuff. I've got a lot of stuff planned. Uh, So hopefully it'll all come together, uh, and I'll talk about that again later on in the show. But that's why this one might be a little bit more condensed. Let's go ahead and start with just, I think there's only a couple news, maybe only one (laughs) news thing that I really saw that really meant anything that kind of made me laugh. And that is the, I'm sure you've seen the viral clip of Corey from Slipknot. Uh, singing and 
seeing the the guy in the front row of his show, and you can tell it's a huge packed show, as most, if not all, Slipknot shows are now. And he's the kid is texting on his phone. I think it's a kid. I mean, maybe young adult, however you want to say it. But he is texting on his phone during the set, and Corey comes over and just slaps it right out of his hands. And the kid's not like, oh, what are you doing? Like, he doesn't freak out. I think he realizes that what he was doing would probably piss off someone who was singing. Corey tweeted later, uh, if you're going to text, stay home. And what's kind of strange is there's been some backlash. And I know I had a debate uh, back in the day where it's kind of that whole cell phone culture at shows. Like, it's different when you're at Warp Tour. Because you're trying to figure out, you're trying to plan with your friends, you're trying to make sure you don't miss whatever band you're going to see next, you're kind of on a schedule, you might have to check your phone, that makes sense. Here though, I would say I'm on Corey's side, maybe not especially the way he did it, though it is funny for most people to watch the video afterwards, I'm sure that the, the guy got his phone back, I really don't think that's an issue, but... If you're in the front row, which he was, he was up against the rail. If you're there, how are you not enjoying the show? And you can say, sure, you know, why would you bite the hand that feeds, which is the fans? But you know Slipknot doesn't have to worry about that. That guy is not going to, first of all, I highly doubt he would not be a fan anymore. I mean, now he has a story. So I don't think that's going to change. But also, can't you wait? Can't you wait until the song is over? Can't you wait until the set is over? I know texting used to be for here's something quick that I have to say right now and then I'm done. Now texting is our conversation, obviously. I'm not going to go into a whole story about how technology is ruining our lives. It's not, that's not the case. Hey, man, if you got a text, you're going to meet a girl or you're going to meet someone that you want to uh, meet up with, whoever your significant other is and whatever you got to do. But it seems like you can wait. And I would love to have a debate with someone about this at some point. Point. I might maybe make it into the Warp Tour show. We might talk about that because I'm sure there's going to be some technology stuff uh, with Warp Tour as well. So I think this is going to come up again. It really doesn't make any sense for me to debate myself on this topic. I thought it was funny. <laughs> I thought it was funny. I think I don't think the the guy was worried about anything. I think he realizes probably a little bit of 15 seconds of fame. It's certainly not like the incident in the story so far where the girl got up on stage and was Snapchatting and got drop kicked off the stage. That is not the case here. So, you know, Corey just wants people to pay attention to him while he's singing. Kind of makes sense to me. Uh, so I'm sure this topic will come up again, uh, but I just want to mention it. And I do love Slipknot, and I would hope that if I was in the front right there against the rail that I certainly wouldn't be texting, I would probably take out my phone once in a while and snap a shot, put it back. I would not hold it up the entire show. I've been a fan of Slipknot for a long time, uh, so maybe I'm just on their side more because of that. But I think if anyone, I think if he, even if it was like a Nickelback show, I think even if he went over and slapped someone's phone, I still think it would be justified probably. And I know, I know, Nickelback's an easy target, but... Uh, coming up in a couple weeks, you're going to hear that a lot in one of the conversations that I have. You'll hear that a lot, so be prepared for that. All right, so new music time. Now, we've done a lot of talking about revival recordings today on the show, and that is because I'm a fan. And another band on the label who I love is Famous Last Words. They just announced they're going to have their new album, The Incubus, come out on September 30th. Uh, this is great. I've always been a fan of their stuff. Uh, so I am looking forward to this. In fact, I have already pre-ordered. So make sure you go ahead and go to their site. If you're a fan of theirs, make sure to pre-order something. They've got a lot of great options there. 
Uh, but they also premiered the new track, Pretty in Porcelain, and it's classic Famous Last Words. So if you're a fan of the band, if you haven't heard of them, make sure you check this out. I've uh, been rocking this song uh, the whole time since it came out. It's great. I'm really, really hoping that the album continues along that vein because I think it's going to be really, really good. Uh, so definitely check that out. Pretty in Porcelain with The Incubus coming out on September 30th. Really looking forward to that. Next, announced it a few times now. You know I'm a big fan of the Amity Affliction. They put out their new song. Actually, I think it's the title track. This could be Heartbreak. And they put out, it's another, I guess this might be a concept album. Not exactly sure yet. I would love to talk to these guys as well because they have a ton of stories. But it looks like this continues the funeral. So this video series seems to continue from I Bring the Weather With Me, that whole funeral end procession type thing. This could be Heartbreak and the album comes out in August. I think it's August 12th. Uh, so the music video was pretty interesting. Uh, the unclean vocalist is locked in a coffin because they think he's passed away. He's buried six feet under and he wakes up or comes back to life. It's not like a zombie situation. I think it's whatever the storyline is. He is now for the whole music video doing the unclean vocals from inside the coffin and he's trying to claw his way out. The clean vocalist and bassist is having a really tough time in the after area of the funeral, uh, getting into fights and being obviously very, very emotional and, and sad. And by the end of the video, he, they come out and he has tried to claw his way out of the grave and it's just a hand sticking up because he wasn't able to make it. So some pretty cool visuals in the music video. They've always been pretty good uh, with their music videos. And just to let everyone know, like I am a fan of Amity Affliction. I've talked about them for a while, been to a bunch of their shows. They have not done anything different with their music, it seems. It's been very formulaic. I still like it, but this is Amity Affliction. There is no difference in the compilation of the track, if you know what I mean. If you've listened to them, I think you get it. And this song continues that. So I am interested to see if they change that around at all in this new album but at least for right now not with the singles they've released it doesn't look like it's different but i'm still excited to to hear them i hope i get a chance to see them live again they always put on a great show and i am looking forward to seeing how this goes then also a couple quick notes uh like i said abbreviated episode a little bit here but palisades are in studio and too close to touch are done with their new album. Hopefully get to hear some of that soon. I am planning on seeing them at Warp Tour, so hopefully I'll have some more news after that. Maybe they'll play a new song and I'll be able to share my thoughts on it. Uh, but I'm a big fan of Too Close to Touch. I hope that you are too. If you haven't heard anything of theirs, make sure to check out their album, Nerve Endings. Very good post-hardcore, classic post-hardcore probably I'd say. Now to talk about Friends of the Show Frameworks, you heard the conversation I had with Luke and Wyatt on the last episode of Ian Hates Music. I was able to go ahead and not only did I pick up their album, even though I already had it, I got the, the vinyl pressing, which is very nice. Uh, I really, really like their new album, Smother. You should give it a chance. Melodic, hardcore, screamo, very good. I, I ended up going to the show that I talked about on that episode, and it really was pretty much a house show. Uh, Democracy Center in, in Massachusetts is a house. That is what, <laughs> that's what it is. And they just play in the living room. So there were uh, a few bands before Frameworks got there. Uh, it was a good show. 
it was like 90 plus degrees in the room. <laughs> that's you know they only have fans. There's no major acoustics or anything. It's just a living room. So it was really cool to hang out with the guys, talk to everyone afterwards, and see their show live. If you get a chance on a small tour like this, you should definitely definitely take advantage of it because you're not going to get a chance to see bands like this in that kind of setting normally. And I know for most of their tour, they are doing shows like this. So check it out. Uh, I had a lot of fun. It's a different scene than I'm than I'm used to because I don't always get to make it to hardcore shows. Uh, so to see, to people watch, and just to see how everyone gets into it is really great. Uh, so make sure you check out Smother for sure. If you have a chance to go see Frameworks Live, you should do it. Uh, anytime you have a chance to go to almost a house-like show, uh, you should definitely definitely check it out because they are a lot of fun especially if you've been going to major shows for such a long time it's a breath of fresh air just to be in this intimate setting with a band that you like moving on to a couple of new albums that i had been talking about for a while now vanna had all hell come out last week now i'm not sure you know i think it's an acquired taste maybe to be a fan of vanna they've gone through a ton of member changes and each time their albums have seemed pretty different. They've been on a different track from time to time. I would say that All Hell is similar to Void. Maybe not as heavy, but it's still heavy. <laughs> there's, there's no doubt about that. They are still a heavy band. There are some clean vocals, but they're few and far between. And most of the time, the clean vocalist is pretty gritty. It's not like you're getting soaring clean vocals. You're getting still a little bit of grit to it. The lead singer of Avana has a very aggressive, very piercing, unclean vocal set. I mean, it's it's in your face for sure. Uh, this is not if you're if you happen to be around your parents or something. This is probably the stuff that they're like, oh, that type of music. That's that's what I'm guessing. I would not be able to play this for my parents. That's for sure. But I like the album. It's definitely different than what I've been listening to recently, uh, but I need to give it a few more listens to really have it latch on. I'm going to see if I can see them at Warp Tour, uh, but since they are from Boston, I've seen them a bunch of times, and they've just gone through so much transition. Uh, let's see if they can really cement themselves as this is what they're doing and this is where they're going from here. I think that's probably the most interesting thing is to see if this is where they really continue because now they're hardcore or so, I'd say. It's not metalcore anymore. It's not post-hardcore. I think it's more on the hardcore side. Uh, but definitely check out All Hell. Uh, let me know what you think of it, and I'm going to give it a few more listens. Then, to completely switch tracks here, Amorosa had their new album, 131, come out. Now, this is an album you could play for your parents. <laughs> there's, there's no doubt about that. And I actually, I was talking to, to a listener, Jackson, of the show, and that's what he said. And I thought that was a great line for this. Because it is. It's not that there's anything wrong with that. But this is not the Amorosa that you imagine or that you remember, probably. They've gone through so many member changes as well. Obviously, everyone remembers Johnny Craig. And since he left, and there are other by the way, if you if you didn't know, there were other clean vocalists besides Johnny Craig. Now they've got Brendan, and he's a great, great vocalist, but every album has been significantly different from the previous, and this one is no different from that. I, I would not call them post-hardcore anymore. I would call them experimental post-rock, maybe, somewhere around there. 
Uh, and, you know, that stuff doesn't really matter. They're just labels. Uh, but this is not the band that you probably started with. But that doesn't mean it's bad. I like this album. I think it's it's definitely softer than what I normally cover on the show. But once again, that does not mean it's bad. I would really like to hear what you guys think of it because I know this is a very popular album. This is another one that I am looking forward to seeing at Warp Tour because I don't think they play anything off of Relativity. I don't think they do anything there. Even though I would love to hear Heads or Tails, I don't think that happens anymore. So I'm guessing a lot of it will be from this new album. I enjoy the album. It's something I can put on the background and kind of just, you know, softly, <laughs> softly rock out to probably. But I need to I need to really decide if this is their best or not, because when I've talked to some people already, some people are saying this is the best Amorosa album out like this is this is the best. This is their peak. I got to see if that's really true or not. I've had it on repeat a couple times. I need to give it more listens. It's just that's what happens. Sometimes things need to really latch on to you before you can really truly make that whole statement. I could go track by track with these albums, but that is not really what I want to do on the show right now. I'm not sure that really helps anybody, uh, the, that kind of review. This is different. Once again, Emeros are changing things around a bit, and I think you'll like it. Not if you want heavy, hardcore stuff. Not if you're looking metalcore, post-hardcore, you want some screams. That is not, do not uh, go into it thinking that. But definitely give it a listen and let me know what you think. Upcoming album-wise, I have three on the list now, and and once again, let me know if I'm missing something. But these are the three I've kind of talked about, and there's actually a new one on there. Cane uh, Hill comes out on Friday, July 15th with Smile. I've been looking forward to this for a while. I don't think you call them new metal, but they kind of seem to be a little bit of a throwback to that old school. Ah, it's, it's hard to explain, but I like what they're doing and I've already pre-ordered their album. So I'm looking forward to hearing how the whole album transitions. They're another one that's on Warp Tour who I want to see. Hopefully I'll be able to fill everyone in on how they are live. Looking forward to this. Check it out. Smile. I think it's streaming now, possibly. See what you think. Next is Crown the Empire with Retrograde. That comes out July 22nd. I have been looking forward to this album for a while. I really like what Crown the Empire has done lately. I am also looking forward to seeing them at Warp Tour, and hopefully I'll be able to have a review because they're definitely one that I have not seen live yet, and I really want to. The new single, Zero, sounds very good. So I'm hoping that that trend continues on retrograde and we'll see how that goes for sure. And last, we have The New Low. Now this is a band I haven't talked about for a while and I'm going to start soon because not only does their name come up in Cole Rowland's conversation that I had with him, it also comes up in a conversation I'm going to announce at the end of the show as well. Uh, so The New Low has Continuance that's also coming out July 22nd. I'm going to look up any new singles that they've done because they used to be a different band before and I'm blanking on it right now, but I will have all the information next week. It's just something that pinged and I had completely forgotten about it. So check out New Low, Continuance comes out July 22nd. Now for a breakdown from the past, I'm going to just, it's going to be a quick one. It's going to be the band That's Outrageous. If you don't know That's Outrageous, they had two albums, they had two full lengths, Teenage Scream from 2011 and Psycho from 2012. They are post-hardcore, metalcore, electronicore, whatever you want to call them. They're another band that went through a ton of member changes. And I think that's probably what 
did them in. But I enjoyed their albums. I thought they were they were different from that, from most electronic core bands at least. They were singing about things that were different. Great clean and unclean vocal shifts. Uh, I like the little bit of added electronic in there. Definitely check out the song Obliviate and see if that's your style. If it's not, maybe you don't like this band. But they were only around for a little bit, but I thought they were talented. I would have liked to have seen a little bit more from them. But there's still a band that I can go back to every once in a while, throw it on a playlist. But I think they deserve some credit for what they were doing because I don't think they were a bad band. In fact, I really liked a lot of the things they were doing. It's too bad they're not around anymore. It's too bad they couldn't get through all the past member changes and and really solidify and continue on. Uh, But I enjoy them. So check out That's Outrageous for sure. Now, to end the show... And I know, I apologize, I know this, this seems abbreviated, but uh, I, had to, I had to get all this stuff ready. I have to go to Warp Tour, uh, so please bear with me. There'll be more stuff next week and the week after. I think you're really going to enjoy this stuff. For right now, for things I'm listening to, I want to talk about the band Cold Rain from Japan, post-hardcore metalcore band. Uh, I'll be talking a lot about them probably because I hope to catch a set at, at Warp Tour. I really like what they're doing, and that's kind of what I've been listening to in the background from time to time. I'm going to see how their set goes at Warp Tour, and hopefully that'll solidify them as a great band to me. But right now, check them out. And then on this same track now, now on the things that I'm currently listening to, you'll remember from previous episodes, I've spoken about red-handed denial a few times now. The announcement for next week is that not only will it hopefully be a Warp Tour special, I'm also going to have their lead vocalist, Lauren, on the show. And I had a great conversation with her. Once again, you should definitely listen to their EP, Wanderer, uh, to get ready for the show. It is amazingly great. Definitely check that out. Look forward to the conversation I had with her, because once again, I had a lot of fun. So she will be on the show next week. Should be when I do the Warp Tour special. Uh, We'll see if we can pull everything off the way I want to, but she will definitely be on the show. Uh, Listen to Wanderer right now, a super talented band. She does clean and unclean vocals, and they're very, very talented. Check this out. I'm sure you're going to love them too. Hopefully you have been already, but this is once again to get ready for next week. Also, I'm going to make an announcement for the show after that show. I just spoke with pop punk band Take the Fall. They're from North Carolina. They have an album out right now called Heroes and Underdogs. And they have a special announcement on Ian Hates Music coming up in two weeks. So I spoke with Ashley, who's the lead vocalist, and Tyler, who's the bassist. Uh, they're Like I said, they're from the band Take the Fall. Go ahead and check out their album Heroes and Underdogs. But they will have a major announcement and a special announcement on Ian Hates Music. This conversation is hilarious. I had a lot of fun with this conversation. Make sure to check out their music. A lot of things are changing for them, and it's going in an interesting direction. So I'm going to leave it at that. Great, great show tease right there. (laughs) So right now, oh, and I forgot to mention this. (laughs) Because it comes up in the conversation with Lauren, so my tie-in with the segment has from first to last contacted Ian Hates Music. The answer is no, but it gets brought up in the conversation I have with Lauren next week. So I hope you enjoy that. I know that was a very, very brief segment as from first to last contacted Ian Hates Music. And by the way, if anyone doesn't understand that, I do think it's funny to not talk about it and then just do it every week. But you can always message me. 
had all the normal contacts and I will explain the situation to you. So once again now, closing everything out, I wanted to once again thank Sean from Alisana Revival Recordings, 307 Management. Thanks to him very much for coming on the show. Thank you, Giacomo from Revival Recordings for helping me set all of this up. Fantastic. Much appreciated. And also, thank you to Alisana, Alisana Army, everyone who's helped promote this episode. Very much appreciated. Great people over there. Who doesn't like people that are spreading the word of Alisana? It's great. Thank you very much for that help. Much appreciated. And now I will do plugs for the show. You can always interact with me on Twitter and Instagram. The name is Ian Hates Podcast for both. So you're all good there. You can also go to facebook.com slash Ian Hates. You can interact with me there. You can leave messages. All good. You can, like always, go to www.ianhates.com and see the entire library of Ian Hates music as well as Ian Hates movies shows there everything is there every single episode you can stream and download but what will really help is if you go to itunes stitcher google play music whatever it happens to be subscribe rate and share that really helps the show out especially in itunes because they're the they're the biggest one if you can rate if you like the show preferably five stars really really helps the show out you have no idea so subscribe rate share that would really help out you can always catch every episode on any of those platforms any of your favorite any of your favorite podcast listening apps i make it so you can find the shows pretty much anywhere <laughs> that way if something happens with one you can always go to another but like i said twitter instagram facebook Go ahead and message me, leave notes, let bands know about the show, tell me bands you want on the show. We can try and make that happen. I love learning about new music. I love hearing the passion of the listeners for music. I hope, like I said before, I hope you hear the passion that I have for everything that I'm doing and everything that these bands are doing as well. And yeah, I'm not going to go into all the Ian Hates movie stuff right now. <laughs> you can see all the new episodes. I just had one released this week. But you can get all of that information the same way that I just mentioned for Ian Hates Music. So don't worry about that. I also have a new show coming out soon called Ian Hates Love. <laughs> I think that one's going to be a lot of fun. I'm sure some stories about exes and things will come up. It's it's it's, it's a very fun one. Uh, I'm going to have lots of guests on that show. So... Anyways, I'm getting off track. Those are the plugs. No no more need to say anything like that. Thank you again to everyone I had mentioned before. It was very, very cool to have Sean on the show. More than I can probably explain, even though I did try to explain as best as I could. And then for everyone, look forward to Lauren from Red Handed Denial. And on the week after, Ashley and Tyler from Take the Fall. Should be a great show. So hopefully everyone is looking forward to those Warp Tour special coming up, uh, other segments coming as well. Thank you once again for listening. I'm going to leave you with Annabelle from The Emptiness. I This song kills it for me. I love it. So let me leave you the way I always do. Long days and pleasant nights. Thanks, everyone.
again.